Hello everyone. It's good to see you again today. Glad we can worship God on the first day of the week. Glad we can study His Word together. I hope you have your Bibles, and if you do, go ahead and be opening to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Today we're going to be looking at verse 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 7. Our title for today's lesson is Christian Living, Wives and Husbands. As we think about our lesson and as uh, folks are logging on and, and starting to, to be able to get to the passage in their Bibles, I kind of want to go back and remind us of some things we've been studying the last few weeks. In 1 Peter, so far, in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit through Peter has told us that we are God's own special people. Christians are God's own special people. So, proclaim the precious name of Jesus and what he has done for us. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through verse 10. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how that as God's own special people, Christians, we are to do good by living differently uh, from the rest of the world and by submitting to government. That's chapter 2, verse 11 through verse 17. And, and then last week, we also talked about as God's own special people, we are to follow Christ's steps in submitting ourselves to our masters. We talked about how that would be uh, most closely associated with our employers, or even the government is sort of tied into that, even if they treat us harshly. Second Peter or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through verse 25. So now, today... As we begin 1 Peter chapter 3, as Peter continues writing and speaking about Christian living, he addresses husbands and wives. So he's talked about living as Christians, living differently from the world, submitting to government, submitting to masters, even if they treat you harshly, following Christ's example and all that. And now, continuing to build and continuing to follow Christ's example, now he turns his attention to wives and husbands. So first of all, beginning in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 6, he's going to address the wives, and he tells them, wives, follow Christ's example. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. We're going to read the first few verses together. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. In following Christ's example, notice he says, wives, likewise. I believe most likely they're referring back to the example of Jesus Christ we just read about in the previous chapter, verse 21 through verse 25. He has been talking about... Uh, He's been talking about servants. You are to submit. Why? Look at Christ's example. And now wives, they are to be submissive to their own husbands. Why? Look at Christ's example. Why are the wives to be submissive to their own husbands? Why does the text say that? The writer goes to say, by inspiration, Peter, he says, so that even if their husbands refuse to obey the gospel, even after they've heard it, perhaps many times, they might eventually be won to Christ by observing the conduct of their Christian wives. When it says there in, in verse 1 that some do not obey the word, 
that communicates the idea of having heard the truth over and over and still refusing to obey it. So when it talks about their husbands, their husbands who had heard the gospel perhaps many times and they still refuse to obey the gospel, they still refuse to put on Christ, responding in obedient faith, repenting of their sins, and being immersed into Christ, having their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, they still refuse to do that. So these are Christian women whose husbands have heard what they need to do, but they are still refusing to do it. And I hope that we are reminded that our example makes a difference. Even in our own home, our example makes a difference. Notice Matthew chapter 5 with me. You may want to place a marker there in 1 Peter 3 and look at Matthew chapter 5 as we think about our example. Think about what Jesus said. In Matthew 5 verse 13 through verse 16, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew five, thirteen through 16 I know a lot of times we talk about that passage and we think about that passage as, you know, see here we need to have the right example so, you know, our neighbors and those who live around us and those in our community will see that we are serving God and they will glorify God. And that's true and that's right. But let's don't ever forget, as what Peter is talking about here now back in 1 Peter 3, our example makes a difference even to people who live in our own home, even to our own family members. Our example makes a difference. And he goes on here and he talks about how that these husbands, seeing their wives continue to submit to them, continue to maintain pure conduct, continue to respect them, while living the Christian life would make a serious impact on the man, on their husbands. And doing a little bit of study on this, uh, in, uh, in one of my study Bibles that I have, it said this, Roman women, so during this time in the first century, Roman women were expected to adopt the religion of their husband. Peter is defying cultural expectations and arguing for the opposite. So during this time, Roman women... Whatever religion their husband was, whatever god he served, or gods, idol gods he served, they were supposed to serve right along with him. And what Peter is saying is, look, you be submissive to your husband, you respect him, you keep yourself pure, even if your husband, after having heard the gospel, continues and refuses to do what's right, you continue to treat him as you should, and you continue to remain faithful to God, which goes against what culture would have said they do. Perhaps for the woman here, for the wife, there would be the temptation to leave their husband because of his stubborn refusal to obey the gospel. Perhaps there would be the temptation to, to lash out at her husband for his stubbornness in refusing to obey the gospel. And God urges 
these women. God urges these Christian wives with husbands who are not Christians to not respond in these ways, but instead to hold out hope for their husband, to continue to live a set a Christian example before him so that hopefully he will see her example. God will be glorified by that and he will obey the gospel. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 31 with me. Proverbs chapter 31, uh, the majority of that chapter, verse 10 through verse 31, is about the virtuous woman or the virtuous wife. And in thinking about the example that we set, notice Proverbs 31 verse 11 and 12 with me. And talking about the virtuous wife, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now look at verse 25 and verse 26. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. The way that she treats her husband and others, she's kind. And that's what God is is setting forth for the wives here in 1 Peter 3 as well. As God goes on, and he encourages the wives to submit to their husbands and to follow Christ's example. Looking now at 1 Peter chapter 3, noticing verses 3 and verse 4. He says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. While external beauty fades, while outward beauty fades, the beauty that comes from the inside is incorruptible. Just as we read earlier, all the way back in chapter 1, that inheritance which is undefiled and it does not fade away, it's incorruptible. So then, God says, that inner beauty is also incorruptible. The fixing of the hair, as he talks about, uh, the wearing of jewelry, the wearing of gold jewelry, the wearing of clothes, is not what he's condemning here. God's not saying that, ladies, he's not saying it's wrong for you to fix your hair up nice. He's not saying it's wrong for you to wear nice jewelry. He's not saying it's wrong for you to wear nice clothes. That's not what God is condemning here. God is saying, and he is emphasizing in this section, don't allow yourself to believe that external beauty is all that matters or is what's most important. Because it's not. Don't let yourself think that your true beauty comes from what's on the outside. God says your true beauty comes from what's on the inside. What the text says, what is of great worth or what is very precious in God's sight is the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet or really better translated as a peaceful spirit. When God sees Christian women who face this life and they follow Christ's example of submitting to their own husbands with a gentle and a peaceful spirit, God says that is very precious. Ladies, our culture will try to convince you 
that what you look like on the outside is what is most important. And what you look like on the outside is where your true beauty, beauty lies. God says what is most important is who you are on the inside, the hidden person of the heart. If you don't believe me, and I'm sure you do, but if you don't believe me that our culture tries to convince you that the way you look on the outside is what's important, and it does it for men too, not just for women. Next time you're watching TV for any length of time, take note, men and women, take note of how many commercials that come up that have to do with the outward appearance. You know, that maybe it's about makeup, or maybe it's, you know, about some... Uh, body wash or shampoo or soap or maybe it's about weight loss or maybe it's about you know um, uh, hair growing back or maybe it's about you know getting in shape or staying in sh all those things and there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves but the point is our world bombards us with trying to convince us that what matters is how we look on the outside and God is reminding us, and specifically here, God is reminding Christian women, Christian wives, not to become so caught up and entrapped in thinking that the way you look on the outside is what determines your worth and your beauty. Because God says that's not true. Who you are on the inside is what determines your beauty. And if you are the kind of person on the inside... As he said, gentle, quiet spirit, a beautiful person on the inside. God says that is very precious. That is worth a great deal in God's sight. I want you to look back at Proverbs 31 with me. Proverbs chapter 31, as we're thinking about, um, as we're thinking about the wife of great value, the virtuous wife. Remember verse 10 says in Proverbs 31 verse 10, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. You drop down to verse 30 in that same chapter. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. What's on the outside fades with time. But what's on the inside, who you are on the inside, that inner beauty, the text says that is incorruptible. That does not fade with time. And so God, in addressing Christian wives in 1 Peter 3, especially he's talking to those who are in a very difficult situation. Their husbands, men that they love very dearly, their husband has heard the gospel over and over but refuses to obey it. God says, continue to be a faithful Christian and continue to treat him right in submitting to him and being respectful of him. And also, don't forget that your beauty is not what's about what's on the outside, but it's about who you are on the inside. And then God continues, verse 5 and verse 6, back in 1 Peter 3. Again, talking to wives and in following Christ's example. He says, for in this manner... In former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good 
and are not afraid with any terror. In submitting to their own husbands, and in having the right perspective about beauty, God points Christian wives to the example of the godly women in the Old Testament, women he specifically mentions like Sarah. Uh, and he quotes there Genesis 18, verse 12. And in that section in Genesis eighteen twelve, she refers to Abraham as Lord. What that just means is she's showing him respect. Hearing that she and Abraham would have a son in their old age, which is what's happening in Genesis eighteen twelve, went against everything she knew to be true. And yet she still respects her husband. Also thinking about this passage, why would there be the temptation to be afraid? God says, don't be afraid. Don't be frightened by fear. Don't give in to fear. Remember that even though they would be having the right attitude and they would be serving God, what they would have to do in remaining faithful even though their husband was not a Christian, that went against society's norms, cultural norms for their time. The women, remember, usually adopted the religion of their husbands. And God is telling the Christian wives to lead their husbands to Christ in part by their example. And that's the total opposite of what was culturally expected. The culture of that time was that whatever the husband, whatever his religion was, the wife fell in behind him. And God is saying, look, you are a Christian. Do not give that up. But also... Don't disrespect your husband. Continue to love him and respect him and continue to remain faithful to me. Submitting to the husband, while not taking on his religion and by believing what God said about beauty, rather than believing what the world said about beauty, would have been a very challenging thing to hear and believe. Just as it was for Sarah when she heard something that she didn't think could be true. And it's very challenging even for, for us today. When we hear something that goes against what, what culture says is true. However, we read that Sarah trusted in God and respected her husband. She continued to do what was right. Notice, we'll go back to Proverbs 31 once more. Proverbs 31, verse 28 and verse 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And then verse 31, Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. In talking about Christians, how that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth, and how we are going to face difficult times, and, and how we as Christians ought to live while we're here on this earth, God in 1 Peter 3 specifically addresses Christian ladies, Christian women whose, whose husbands are not Christians. And he encourages them to remain faithful to God and to continue to respect their husbands, continue to hold out hope that by seeing the wife's example and by continuing to hear the gospel, that that husband will see what he is missing. And he will obey the gospel. And also reminding them, don't get caught up in thinking that your value and that your worth and that your beauty is tied to who you look like on the outside or what you look like on the outside. But what matters is who you are on the inside, that inner beauty. God encourages women who are facing a very difficult thing 
in this. And then also now, this morning, as we come to the last passage we'll consider, notice verse 7 with me. So God first directs his attention to the wives, and he encourages them and urges them to be submissive and to do what they should as as submitting to their husbands and as serving God. And then God turns his attention to the husband in verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. In following Christ's example of submission, Christian husbands are to dwell with their wife with understanding, or in an understanding way. Well, how does he do this? Men, husbands, how do we do this? God says by giving honor, or by assigning value, assigning worth to your wife understanding her value, understanding her worth. He says understanding she is the weaker vessel. Now, there's a lot of different thoughts as to what does the wife being the weaker vessel refer to. And I guess here I can give you my thought. I've tried to stay with following the thought of the context here. Some suggest that this refers to the wife being weaker physically. And while sometimes I suppose that that can be true, it doesn't make really much sense in the context. And I suppose in some instances we would say, well, the wife is, maybe the husband can, you know, if you were to lift, go over and pick up something heavy, who's more likely to be able to lift something heavy? Well, probably in most cases the man. But men, we've also uh, seen our wives give birth to children. And we would say there are some ways in which a woman is very strong. So I, I don't think this is talking about a woman's physical strength or lack of it. In the context, what's been going on, the wife has been commanded to follow Christ's example and submit herself to her husband. So I think in context what this is talking about, the husband is to live with her, dwell with her, in a way that understands that. While wives are to submit themselves to their own husbands, the husband, understanding what God has commanded her to do, the husband lifts them up in honor, understanding the challenges that come along with, with being commanded to submit to their husband and understanding the value of her role in the marriage. In Matthew 7, 12, for example, and just thinking about what Jesus said there, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's like what God does is he, he tells us in verses 1 through 6, here's what he's commanding the wife to do, and then he turns his attention to the husband and says, okay, now that you have seen what I'm commanding your wife to do, if you want to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Here's how you should treat her. Treat her understanding the challenging nature of what God has just commanded wives to do. And understand that and understand her value and her worth. Also, he says, understand that you are heirs together. Husband and wife. So this is, this is talking about a Christian man and a Christian woman, a Christian husband and wife. 
He said, understand that you are joint heirs of the grace of life. One of the wonderful blessings about being a Christian is that while, yes, there are different roles, it doesn't matter what your cultural background is. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter what your social status is. We are all heirs together in Christ Jesus. Notice Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 26 as we think about this, being heirs together. Galatians 3, starting with verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you put on Christ by being baptized into Christ, and those are the ones who are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. While some may, may think that, oh, well, the woman must submit to the husband, therefore the, the woman is inferior to the man, and, and so the, the inheritance that's offered, well, the man's probably going to get a little bit better cut. And what God shows here is, in reminding the husbands of this, is don't ever, husbands, be deceived into thinking that you are better than your wives. He says that's not the case. Your wife is not being told to submit to you because she is somehow inferior to you. God says, remember that you are heirs together. The same inheritance that's promised to a man is the same inheritance that's promised to a Christian woman. And then God says, in offering us as husbands a, a word of warning, if husbands do not dwell with their wives with understanding, God says, our prayers will be hindered. And in looking up the meaning of this word, hindered does not really completely convey the meaning of the word. The word really means to cut off, to cut down, to render ineffectual, to do no good. So, the prayers of a Christian man who does not dwell with his wife, live with his wife with understanding, understanding her role and the challenges of that, understanding her value, understanding her worth, understanding that they are heirs together, a Christian man who does not understand that and live with his wife understanding that, God says, your prayers do you no good. In fact, they are cut off from God. Now, men... That is a, a sobering thought, that if we do not live with our wives in an understanding way, as God has said here in verse 7, you and I as husbands, the prayers that we say are cut off from God. God is not going to listen to you and I in prayer if we do not obey what he has said in verse 7. That is a, a wake-up call. That is a sobering thought. And God is really showing us, look, here is how important it is, husband, that you treat your wife in this way. 
In Ephesians chapter 5, we won't go there, but you could read through chapter 5, verse 23 through the end of the chapter, and you see that husbands are to love their wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, laid down his life for her. A man ought to love his wife in that way, and a man who loves his wife in that way will be understanding, live with her with understanding and honor her and understand that she is in no way inferior to him, but that they are heirs together. Brethren, we are just strangers and pilgrims in this world, and we face many difficulties. And our marriage relationship is supposed to be about helping one another get to heaven. So wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Because if, if you don't, you may drive him further from God. He's heard the gospel before and he's stubbornly refusing to obey it. If you do not submit as you should, if you do not treat him as you should, you may drive him further from God and you may miss out on heaven yourself. And husbands, let us live with our wives with understanding. Understanding uh, the role that they have. Understanding the challenges that come along with that. Understanding their worth and their value. Because if we don't, then we demonstrate that we do not appreciate their value. And we as husbands will find ourselves cut off from God. I thank you for listening and for studying along with us as we look at Christian living, wives and husbands, and as we strive to be the wives that God wants us to be, ladies and men, as we strive to be the husbands that God wants us to be. If you have any questions about anything we've studied, feel free to contact me. I'll do my best to give you an answer from the Word of God. If you want to study more about becoming a Christian, uh, we talked about some of those things this morning, how that those who have been baptized into Christ, they are the ones who have put on Christ. They are the ones who are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you want to study more about obeying the gospel, I'll be glad to do that with you. What the Bible says about obeying the gospel is really not all that complicated. Uh, when those in Acts 2 heard the gospel preached, they believed that Jesus was Lord in Christ. And they asked, what shall we do? And Peter told them to repent, repent of their sins, and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of their sins. And the Lord added those who obeyed that command to his church. If you'd like to study more about that or if you'd like to obey the gospel, I'll be glad to help you in doing that. Uh, folks at Smithville, I I'm glad you were able to be with us this morning. Thank you for listening. Uh, we miss you. Uh, we, we look forward to getting to be together again and to, to worship God in person with one another again. Uh, if any of you need anything, feel free to contact us. Feel free to reach out uh, with any prayer requests that you may have, and we'll be glad uh, to pray for you. We'll be glad to, uh, to help you in whatever way we can. Until we see each other again next time, thank you for listening. We're praying for you. May God bless you.